Hey everyone, this is Dave Cruz from Flyber Labs, a podcast on business and innovation in the Midwest and beyond. Here you'll meet fascinating people and learn about new technologies and practices that will change how you look at life and business. Enjoy. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Flyer Labs, and today we have to talk about venture capital in New York City, and it's with Brian Hirsch, and he's the co-founder and managing partner of Tribeca Venture Partners. And before that, Brian has a long history of private equity and venture capital that we'll get to hear about as well. So, uh, and actually right now, Brian is on the streets of Manhattan, so he's he's living it right <laughs> there. <laughs> and so, Brian... Living, has, the, living the dream, living the dream. Living yeah. the dream, <laughs> exactly. So and Brian has invested. He's in, in a number of companies over his career, and uh, including more recent ones like Maker's Kit and AI Cure, Mighty.com, and Common Bond. So I'm really interested to see how Brian got into VC and private equity, what he's learned, and what he's excited about now. So Brian, thanks for uh, joining us today. Thanks for having me. Definitely. All right. So we know you're on the streets of Manhattan, um, and so you're in Manhattan now. But how did you? That's, uh, that's where I spent. That's where I spend basically all my time is on the streets of Manhattan, <laughs> yeah, that's right. running running around from 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 company to company. Nice, nice. Yeah. Ho- hopefully, you're not sleeping on the streets too. But uh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> I haven't done that. You haven't done all right. Good. Um, so yeah. Bef- all right. So can you tell us a little bit about your story before you got to Manhattan and starting Tribeca? How did you end up? Uh, where you are now and tell us about your background. Sure. Uh, I'll try to give the brief version. You can, you can ask me more questions, but yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm born and raised in New York actually. So, uh, uh um, left, uh, stayed, you know, through my whole childhood and then left to go to college, uh, at Brandeis university outside of Boston and, uh, graduated there in 1995, uh, moved, um, post-college ended up, uh, moving to Chicago, uh, of all places. And, um, started my career working for KPMG, um, in the information communications and entertainment group, um, doing more consulting and evaluation work for, um, for all sorts of, all sorts of companies and worked with large companies and small companies and, and, um, and really was more attracted to the smaller companies and spent about a year or so there. Um, and then was one of my clients. Um, introduced me to someone that had just launched a venture fund um, within AB and AMRO Bank. So AB and AMRO at the time, this was in the mid-90s, was the sixth or seventh largest bank in the world and the largest farm bank operating in the U.S. It bought LaSalle National Bank in Chicago. It also bought the Chicago Corporation, which was a regional investment bank. Wow. And it partnered with Sears, the Sears Pension Fund, Sears Investment Management Company, to launch... Uh, $75 million early stage venture fund, um, which had two primary investors, which was the bank and, and Sears. And so the Sears pension fund, they launched that. And the person that, that started that group came out of Sears investment management company was looking to build a team. He had, uh, gotten my name, um, from, from one of my clients who referred me. And, and that's how I, how I ended up in the venture business at the ripe old age of, Sort of like twenty two, twenty three. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but I started. I basically been a career venture capitalist. But I started investing personally. Uh, yeah, as a, as a as a younger younger person, I was always interested. At least my father who was in the investment business, not in the venture business, but more public equity investor, had an interest as a as a young boy, so for ten, eleven years old, and would uh, I think I bought my first stock as a 
as a young boy and, and got interested in understanding how financial statements worked and how companies worked. And, you know, I read a, read a lot of magazines and, and stories around entrepreneurs pre-internet um, and were, was always inspired by that. And, and so even though I'd gone to KPMG, I always, in the back of my head, I had this investing sort of bug in the, in the back of my head. And when I saw that I can marry the work I was doing at KPMG, sort of helping companies, particularly the younger ones, with the investing, that, that seemed like a good fit for me personally. And, and so when the opportunity to, uh, to get into the venture business yeah, arose, I, I jumped at it. And, uh, and it was something I had my eye on anyway. I didn't quite expect to be able to enter the business at such a young age. Particularly at that time, it was very, very rare. Um, and so, uh, um, yeah, that's it. So I, I started the venture business, venture business in, in early 97 and, uh, have been doing it ever since. Um, nice. And I had to go from there, but yeah. 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 I'm curious what you did, uh, what you did after that. Yeah. So I stayed, yeah. yeah so, we, so we did two venture funds okay. uh, at ABN Amro. Uh, I ended up being a $75 million first fund, $125 million second fund. In the second fund, um, uh, 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 really someone that became a friend of mine uh, uh, while I was at ABN Amro um, had started a venture fund called Sterling Venture Partners, um, which had uh, an office both in Chicago but also in the Baltimore area, and uh, and they had launched a $136 million venture fund in 2000. And in 2001, he called me up and said, hey, we'd love to have you come over here and help us sort of deploy this fund and come on over and, and, uh, and do that. And so um, and so I saw it as an opportunity to kind of get outside of what I saw as a risk with a bank, you know, being a venture fund within a bank. And, and so I jumped to, to Sterling. Um, started in Chicago and then actually moved to the Baltimore DC area for a little while. Um, and then, and stayed through that fund and then started to see what was going on in New York. I felt like there was, uh, the market for technology was shifting and that New York was going to become mm. a bigger, we can talk more about this later, a bigger opportunity. And, and basically left Sterling and a great position with, with great people, um, to, uh, to come back home, uh, here to New York and, and launch a, fun, a venture fund. And I did that. Uh, I ended up doing that in, in conjunction with uh, Greenhill, which is a publicly traded investment bank, um, and launched a $100 million fund to invest primarily in New York um, in, in 2006. Um, I ran that fund um, with a former partner of mine, and then we uh, um, Greenhill decided to sort of exit the investment business completely. They had a private equity group uh, as well. And when that happened, I, I started down a path to to sort of uh, take over that fund and then uh, solely and then and then launch Tribeca Venture Partners. And then in 2011, I launched Tribeca Venture Partners with my current partner, uh, Chip Meekham, you know, who I've known actually since my early days, even at ABN Amro in, in the late 90s. Uh, and we had talked for many years about teaming up and doing something together. Timing worked out really well. So we launched TDP formally in 2011 with our first fund. And, and now, you know, we're into our second fund and, and, so far, so good. <clears throat> wow. All right. Well, let's see. Lots of questions. There's a lot there. Yeah, I know. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's my uh, head spinning. I wonder, so with Green Hill, when you started that, so was that was Green Hill like the investor and you you were on the management? So it was, it was, no, it was more, it was not really. I mean, okay. I was uh, technically a partner at Green Hill 
Okay. But we had uh, we had gone through the process of raising a hundred million dollar fund before we uh, teamed up with Green Hill. We had about half the capital committed when we were introduced to. I was introduced to someone that that was very senior at Green Hill and and about just investing in our fund. Um, and from that meeting, uh, his, his response was, "This is really great, but actually, would you think about doing it uh, inside of Green Hill and and bringing this whole fund and the effort inside of Green Hill?" And here's all the benefits to doing that. And we already have a, a private equity group. Uh, you know, early seed venture would be really interesting. Green Hill is a, is a great success story as a, a large cap M&A focused boutique investment bank um, yeah. that's publicly traded. And and uh, and, they, and their whole their whole uh, thesis was not conflicted businesses. And so since most of their bread and butter was large cap M&A, doing early stage venture, you know, was sort of not a conflict, nor was sort of like middle market private equity. So they were looking for ways to grow their business and expand their business and that were complementary, but not, not, you know, a conflict for their clients. And, and so, um, so we agreed to do that and went inside of Green Hill and, and really, you know, we're part of the firm. Uh, I'd say we, you know, we operated pretty independently the same way that you know, any other venture fund would operate. Um, and for Green Hill benefit during the financial crisis, Green Hill stock at an all time high. <laughs> they decided to double down on the M and A business, uh, which was probably a smart move at the time, and de-emphasize the investment business. Really, just because there's only so many so much resources you can put into into, into, the, yeah. into your business, yeah. and they, they wanted to divert those resources to be able to grow grow aggressively on the M and A side. And so the whole investment side of the business, which was our fund, a European private equity fund, and a U.S. private equity fund, all sort of spun out into a into a different entity. Um, and then I took over. I I sort of essentially bought out the the management company of that entity yeah, at the same time that, that I launched TPP. That makes sense. Gotcha. Okay. Probably more probably more technical than the no, a lot no. of technical pieces in there. What? For what? probably not not interesting for, for the listeners. <laughs> no, that's awesome. I mean, I, but, uh, I, I have lots of yeah. questions of how you bought out the man the management team, but we won't get into that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh. Not, that's for another show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because yeah. that sounds interesting. Um, so, so, so Tribeca was. I mean, is that your fourth um, venture capital f- firm that you worked with, or it's four? Yeah, I guess it's okay. technically it's technically my fourth. Okay. Um, although I I kind of view it as uh, an evolution of what I did at Green Hill. I yeah. still I still have several several portfolio companies from that. Okay. Legacy fund, and I, I I still manage them and sit on the board, and, okay. and so uh, um, really I view it as I started investing you know, in New York, uh, came back home, started investing in New York now 11, 12 years ago, um, and then, you know I guess I've done that through two platforms which I've yeah helped start and, okay. and run, um, so, uh, but now I think you know with TVP we're exactly where we want to be. I, I don't, this was the last one. Um, yeah, our, our goal is supposed to be. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> nice. I, th- I think I figured it out uh, exactly what we, what, what, I, what I want to be doing and what, what we should be doing. So, well, that was um, my, so I think we're, I think we're good for, I think we're good for a while. That was my next question. You, that was, that was good work. That was, uh, what did you learn from your previous roles and gigs that when you started Tribeca, we're like, we're going to do it this way or like, you know, yeah. what, what type of, yeah. What, what type of learnings did you draw on? Yeah, I mean, there, there's so many things, right? I mean, yeah. I've been doing this now close to 20 years, and and so I had a, a vision for uh, how I, I felt, you know, TVP, along with my partnership as an equal partner, 
Um, to me, you know, I think we both jointly had a similar vision in terms of what the opportunity was here in New York and the type of type of firm we were looking to build um, over a long period of time. And and a big part of it for us is, um, you know, we really only want to get involved with companies that we're, we're truly passionate about. So unlike um, many other funds, you know, we're, we're very much a, like an old school traditional Series A focused firm today, meaning that, you know, we'll come in, we'll roll up our sleeves, be a Series A investment and work side by side with the team and try to help build the company. And, and really we kind of have an old school mentality in terms of the way we think about the business, which is, you know, we're there to help the companies and it's not about us, it's about them. And, and so, um, what we're doing right now with you is, it's fairly rare. I'm sure if you Google me, there's not a ton you'll yeah. see where I'm interviewing, uh, being interviewed. And the reason is that this is not really our DNA, um, to do that in our DNA to do that. I think we, I'd rather talk about the companies and about us. And, and so I think we come from that, that vein is, you know, we just want to work really hard for our companies. You know, we've, we've started a venture fund. It's not quite the same as starting an operating company, but you know, we understand what, what starting something is all about and, and you know, not having salary and, you know, putting in long hours and trying to get capital raised and, you know, thinking about how you want to build an organization, all that kind of stuff. And, and so we try to, you know, bring that, you know, bring no ego to the table and try to do what's best for our companies. And, and so that's just sort of operating philosophy is one that, you know, that I think drives everything we do. And, um, and so, yeah, so I, I think that's probably, I don't think I learned that over the years, but as I've, as I've been exposed to lots of different firms and lots of different VCs and how people operate, yeah, I think Trip and I both are of like minds, and you know we think the best way to operate is um, yeah helping our companies and the and uh, you know being more of a service provider to them than anything else, and you know trying to keep the ego out of it, and just trying to do what's best for the companies, and the rest will take care of itself. Yeah, and and to that point, like if you, if you go through your Twitter feed, it's pretty much just like all tweets on about your portfolio companies. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And it's probably the probably the occasional New York sports thing. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a big I'm a Yankee fan, and then an, unfortunately to that, and then and a New York Giants fan. And Uh-oh. so, uh, um, yeah, so I basically I'm tweeting about you know, sports or my companies, and not really about us. No, yeah, yeah. I like it. Um, yeah, so before we get too far, can you tell us a little bit? Yeah, and you've kind of uh, told about the well, – I think you said the size. Maybe you didn't say the size of your current fund, but can you tell us about Tribeca and, like, the fund size and, sure. you, and uh, kind sure. of what you fun, focus on? Fund one. Yeah. Sure. Fund one was a uh, um, uh, 2011 uh, fund, 60, $65 million. Um, uh, it was really for the entire fund. It's basically the two of us, me and my partner. We had – Wow. No, no, no team. Uh, and so we, we ran that fund, um, and we still have a, you know, full portfolio there. And then, uh, 18 months ago, we launched TVP2, um, which is 107 million. Um, so almost double the size. Um, and, uh, and so we're, we're investing out of that fund today. We've, uh, first fund had 25 companies. Um, we had some seed investments in there. Okay. Uh, but more, more series A, uh, Investments and, and this fund is almost exclusively Series A investments. We we really scaled back our any, any kind of seed investing activity, and the reason is that we're we're highly focused. We we only make sort of four to six investments per year on average. We might do seven, we might do one, but on average we've made four to six investments. And like I said earlier, we, you know we we do a couple of things per year and put all of our energy into that. Um, and we're writing checks anywhere from sort of one to five million initially, 
Um, you know, we're, we're typically taking board seats and, and, uh, leading or co-leading investments and, you know, tend to be the, the most active or one of the, one of the two most active investors, you know, really working from the teams from, from the earliest days. Gotcha. Interesting. Okay. So, so often, so often we're, we're the first sort of true institutional fund involved. There might be some seed capital from some smaller seed funds, okay. but, uh, even in those cases, they, they tend to be, um, you know, making a lot of investments, you know, particularly these days, you see seed funds that have 50, 100, 200, 300 investments. So they, while they're helpful to the company, they wouldn't, they're not quite as active as, uh, as a group like us, but, uh, you know, taking board seats and really kind of working closely with the teams on a, uh, you know, sort of a day in, day out basis. So we tend to be that first true, sort of like highly active and hopefully helpful partner. Yeah, no, I, I like your guys' attitude and like how you guys work and operate. And then, so I, my my question was, and I, you probably answered, is like, you know, wh- how do you pitch yourself to startups? You know, because yeah, yeah, so it's it's basically what I just told yeah. you. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's uh, it, we let the 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 entrepreneurs speak for us, really. So we encourage any uh, potential investment to go out and talk to the entrepreneurs we backed, and it's not that every entrepreneur we backed will say. 100% great things about us, and you know, we will have disagreements with people we back. Um, but what, they, what they'll hear consistently is that they always know where we stand. Uh, you know, we're we, we work incredibly hard. We're always available um, to, to assist. You know, sort of 24/7, um, and we're we're very open and honest. You'll, you'll never be in doubt as a founder, um, you know, where we stand, and, and so you'll know our viewpoint, and and we try to you know we just try to be helpful um, and. In business, people have different viewpoints. So I'm sure entrepreneurs go talk to uh, other entrepreneurs that we back. Um, they they may hear that on occasion, but for the most part, um, you know, we get we get really good reviews from the people that we back, um, and and that's also translated to fundraising as well. I think uh, so far we've had since TVP started, every single potential limited partner in our fund, every potential investor in our fund, has got to the point when we fundraise to talk to the companies we backed, every single one has ended up writing a check into our fund. And so we, we look at that as sort of the ultimate proof statement of what we're doing, that you know, if, if we have investors that are willing to give us capital based on the feedback they're getting from our entrepreneurs, and you know, I think that that speaks for itself. And uh, what uh, what type of companies or industries do you guys invest in at Tribeca? Yeah, yeah. so we're, we're geographically focused, so... Um, uh, 90 to 90, 95% of our capital is deployed in New York, uh, actually almost entirely in New York city. Um, and I could even go even further than that and say <laughs> almost entirely below, below, below 34th street. Really? Um, and so, yeah, we have one, we have one company in New York above 34th street. It's in, it's in Buffalo. Um, and so, uh, uh, <laughs> That's a little, so yeah, so yeah, it's a little pretty bit. concentrated from that standpoint. Uh, obviously there's a lot, a lot, you take well, third person, that's bigger than almost every city in yes. the country, uh, if not the world. But but the uh, um, but the, uh, uh, the focus because we're so geographically focused, we tend to be broader from uh, industry focus and from a, uh, a sector focus. So we we look at this fund so far has been consumer. Um, we'll really look across every industry. So we're very broad based, um, like you might see in a a larger venture fund like a Sequoia or NEA will we'll look across yeah, every every industry for opportunities. Um, having said that, because we're in New York, we definitely play to the strength of this market. And so our first fund just happened to be about 40% of the dollars went into FinTech. 
We had, you know, 20 to 25% went into MarTech and AdTech. We had uh, 20% of the dollars went into healthcare IT. Uh, and you have, you know, the largest financial services market here, the largest sort of advertising and marketing budgets here. Um, you have, uh, this is actually the largest healthcare market, both from a consumer standpoint, but also you think about that most of the large pharma companies in the U.S. are headquartered across the river in New Jersey, which I'm staring at right now, actually, in New Jersey, <laughs> nice. um, uh, and the river. So I think, uh, um, so I think we map pretty closely to, 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 to the, you know, to the strengths. I think where we don't spend a lot of time, and this again speaks to this market, and it's changing a little bit, is like hardcore tech infrastructure. So like storage, uh, systems or, yeah, uh, we've done some work in security, but, yeah, sort of the deeper you get in the tech stack and the more highly technical it gets where you need, you know, huge engineering forces and, you know, where you might have teams coming out of Stanford or MIT. Um, yeah, there's, there's some of that here in New York, but it, it's not, it's definitely not the strength of this market. So we've just done less of it. I mean, we wouldn't do it, but we've done less of it. Gotcha. And what's sure. your personal investment process? So, you know, you invest across a range of industries. You know, how do you get comfortable, of course, with the team, but then also, like, is this for real? Like, do, you know, do you talk to clients or potential partners in the in the industry before you invest? And how do you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, so we invest broadly. But the good news is that both me and my partner have been been doing <laughs> investing broadly for like twenty years. <laughs> yes. So, so even though I haven't seen everything, I feel like I've seen everything. I, there's not really not an industry where we haven't had. Uh, exposure to okay. in any way, shape, or form. And if we feel like we have a gap in knowledge, you know, a huge gap in knowledge that we don't think we can instill, uh, typically we just want to invest. But, uh, but if there's, you know, smaller gaps, we, we, we rely on our, our, our networks to be able to, you know, uh, our trusted networks to help fill any gaps that we might have before we make an investment decision. But in terms of my personal investment process, um, really, you know, I spend a lot of time, uh, focused on the team. Um, yeah, if there's one thing I've seen in my career over time is that, uh, and this, this becomes more and more true every year, is at the end of the day, it's really about that, that team. Um, and it's so cliche, but it's cliche because it's true. It is, you know, A teams win, uh, and B teams do okay and C teams lose. And, and, and find that the A teams, you know, the A talent, the A teams that come into our office that we meet with tend to actually identify sort of the A ideas and go after the A markets and, hmm. uh, and have the best products. And so I think it all is an extension of the team. Yeah, everything, uh, yeah, all, all businesses are man-made, right? So, uh, or woman-made, yeah, <laughs> people-made. And, uh, uh, but you know what I mean. Yeah. And so, yeah, everything everything comes out of people. And so uh, it, it shouldn't be a surprise that people are drive these companies. And if you have amazing people, they tend to find the best opportunities um, I don't think that's, yeah, I, I'm assuming if someone was like gold digging, yeah, in, uh, out west in the, in the, yeah, hundreds of years ago, it would be, they would, yeah, some people that were more talented, uh, and they were able to know where to go and find the best gold or whatever. I think it's the same way. Like the most talented entrepreneurs tend to, yeah, they see the world in a different way, or they have some sort of, you know, unfair advantage or unique, thing that they are able to apply um, to, you know, to drive a company forward. Um, and so I think that's the number one, two, and three thing we look at. And then it's not only just the quality of the team, it's also the passion. Um, I mean, it's also cliche, but this business is really hard. Uh, venture investing, one, is very hard uh, to do well. Most of that VC funds don't do well. Um, 
uh, a huge portion of them, um, and startups. Most startups fail. And so the only the, the, the universe is conspiring against startups on day one, right? People don't like change. And so uh, to break through, every startup I, I've ever seen has had tough times, even the ones that, you know, on the, in the Wall Street Journal or New York Times seem like they were up and to the right and they never had anything but success. It's just not true. When you actually talk to people involved with those stories, every single company has had trials and tribulations. And when things are tough, you have to really have that passion. It can't be about like wanting to get rich. You have to be passionate about what you're doing, uh, the product and service or you know, your view of the world. You just feel like this thing has to exist. Um, and, and in the toughest, darkest times, when all seems lost, it's that, you know, that grit and that passion that makes the companies great. Um, and so, you know, we, we look for that and it's not always easy to figure out if someone's mm. being open and honest about it, but we, we try very hard to understand like, okay, if, if the shit hits the fan, you know, is this team going to stick to it and, you know, just grind through and get to the other side. Interesting. And, and so, you know, if, if there was an A team coming to you, do you think sometimes A teams come to you and don't communicate it very well? Cause that, you know, sometimes they're, yeah. they're more about execution and less about uh, the, or is that not usually an issue? Uh, I mean, yeah, yes and no. Right. So if, so I would say like the eight founders would recognize they're not good at that and pull people in and okay. their team that have that skill set. Yeah. Right. And so yep. that's, that's really what I mean. Like the best teams are very intellectually honest as well. Uh, we operate intellectual honesty internally in our shop and, and we try to do it with, and, and, and push this out to our companies, you know, sort of direct and intellectually honest conversations and not wasting people's time. And so, you know, the intellectually honest people, you know, and this is not just about business, I think in life, they know, like, I'm good at this, I'm bad at that. Hmm. Oh, I'm bad at that, so I need to get someone that's great at that. Or, you know, I'm an A, but I really want A pluses around me. Right? The best teams and the best founders want, you know, if you're a great founder, you should be the dumbest person on your team at the end of the day. <laughs> right? Like, you only, your, your goal should be higher. 100% of the people should be smarter and more capable than, than you are at, at what the, whatever they're doing. If you do that, you're going to do well. If you are not as honest or you're a B player or you feel threatened, you're likely to bring on people that are not as good as you. Um, and, you know, if you're, if you're, you know, Bs, you hire Bs instead of As, those Bs don't hire other Bs, they hire Cs. Mm. So they feel threatened. And so you end up with you know, a bad organization, bad talent, and bad results. And so, so we really tend not to see that issue as much with you know with a talent it, it tends to you know, manifest itself by having a broader team or you know that a talent trying to figure out what their weaknesses are and you know and, and filling those gaps oh that makes sense like I, i'm hard like i'm horrible at drawing i'm like i basically <laughs> failed art in right. third grade and uh um you know so i know that right and so if uh if something needs to be drawn i'm, I'm turning my head to the first person like I can, I could draw better than me. Yeah. Like, why would I, yeah, I, maybe I'm doing it for enjoyment, but if I had to draw for survival state, sake or execution, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to find someone that's really good at, at drawing. Uh, I'm still a stick figure guy, right? So it's, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's just as simple as that, right? It's like understanding where you're good or where you're bad and, you know, focusing on what you're good at and getting people help you at what you're bad at. Um, and that makes best sense. teams get that. Yeah. Yep. No, that makes sense. And and do you ever? I've always been curious about this. I don't know if I ever asked this, but how often do companies come and pitch to you, and then you're like, "Oh, not right now," but keep, let's keep in touch. Because usually, it sounds like usually it seems like whenever VCs say, "Let's keep in touch," that means like there's no way. 
Um, but yep. do, do, uh, how often have you then invested in a company like that or given them advice? And then they so we back? just, yeah. 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 I mean, so we tell, so we, we tend to also be very intellectually honest around rejecting companies because um, we don't waste their time. And so uh, one thing I've, how I've evolved during my career and, this could be good or bad and you know, people may not like it, but you know, I now will turn companies down regularly in the meeting and I won't say, Hey, <laughs> nice. thanks for coming in. Yeah. We'll get back to you at the end. I'll say, thanks for coming in. Here's why this isn't a fit. And I find, I found that, um, not hundred percent of the time, 10% of the time people might get insulted or be like, that guy's a jerk. Um, I say it in a nice way. I always say I could be wrong because you know, right. teachers are wrong all the time. Uh, but yeah, here's why it's not a fit for us. But I'd say, 80, 90% of the time, the entrepreneurs, at least what I've heard and what we've, we've seen uh, in terms of feedback is that they appreciate that, right? Like they're out there, they're busy, right? Entrepreneurs are busy. Yeah. They're, they're hiring, they're firing, they're building products, they're you know, out raising money. Yeah, they come for 45 minutes and at the end I say, hey, you know what? Thanks for coming. I appreciate it. Really interesting to meet you. Yeah, not a fit for us. That's a fast no is great, right? Versus uh, uh, silence or uh, obviously a fast yes <laughs> they'd prefer, but uh, a fast no is probably a fast no is probably a close second, and and so we we try to practice that as much as we can. Um, and, but having said that, there are legitimately times where companies are too early for us, and they're more seed stage, and we'll meet them and say, hey, this is really interesting, and sometimes we'll try to help them along the way and say, you know, please keep us updated and and stay in touch. And uh, we haven't announced this investment yet, but we just recently closed an investment. My partner. Uh, close, uh, close investment uh, in, a, in a really cool company here in New York. And, you know, we met the founder right before he did the seed round. And, you know, we were sort of tempted to maybe invest in the seed and we decided this wasn't the right time. We stayed in touch and, you know, aggressively and over a 12 month period and we ended up just leading an investment. So, oh, um, cool. so it happens. Nice. Okay. We've had, we have multiple circumstances where we've met with companies invested, you know, six to 12 months later. You mentioned Common Bond at the top is an example of a company. That's yeah. a great example also. Where founder David Klein, I love the Series A, but you know we were talking even when he was raising a seed, and we spent probably nine to twelve months talking about his business and met over different period of times, actually in different states. <laughs> we were both at a conference in Arizona, which led to leaving the Series, us leaving the Series A. You know, we were at a conference and we caught up six to nine months after we had met the initial time and had some interactions even between them, and that's when we decided, okay, he sort of hit an inflection point where. It was still very early, uh, but made sense for for us to make an investment. So, it's uh, yeah. If you're coming to our office and we say, "Hey, stay in touch," you shouldn't assume that we're we're just we're just trying to be polite. Like we're more that. likely, yeah, yeah. we're more likely, yeah, yeah. I like that. And uh, and and yeah. You so you mentioned Kanban. Is there another firm that uh, you want to tell us about? It doesn't have to be your favorite. You know, you don't have to pick favorites. Just uh, one that's yeah. in your mind. <laughs> yeah. So I mentioned Buffalo because I. I you know, Sorry, uh, it's fun to have a first investment for upstate. Um, yeah, yeah. We invested. We invested. We invested last summer, um, late last summer. I guess about a year ago now, um, in a really interesting company in Buffalo uh, called ACV Auctions, um, oh, yeah. which is a mo- a mobile platform, like a sort of a mobile wholesale auto auction um, marketplace. And so, uh, let me unpack that to explain for people what that means, but. If you think about auctions in the U.S., just generally, like auctioning anything, it could be Sotheby's, it could be eBay, it could be anything. Auctions is a $370 billion market in the U.S. 
100 billion of that is wholesale auto auctions. It's by far the largest segment. And what a wholesale auto auction is, is when it is like inner dealer auction. So you as a consumer you know, are going to trade in your, your car to get a new car and a new car dealer. When you do that trade in, uh, the new car dealer is incentivized to figure out a way to take that trade in so they can sell you a new car and even better get the service relationship, which is where they make most of the money at the dealership. Uh, once they take that new car that they traded in and gave you $5,000 of value for your Toyota Camry from whenever, um, what they do with that is they turn around and put that to auction. Uh, and then used car dealers around the country, um, and this tends to be more regional play, used car dealers are then going out and going to these physical auctions, like live physical auctions. They'll see that Toyota Camry and bid on it, and that new car dealer is hoping to get hold on what they you know just took in trade and value. Um, and so that's done uh, millions of times a year. Uh, and the, there's two dominant companies, Mannheim and Odessa, that, that each do billions of dollars in revenue in this market. And it, they've been doing it essentially the same way for decades, which is an original spot like you, know, you talked about Wisconsin earlier, like you know, um, probably some wholesale auto auction, physical auction where cars are getting driven you know, to a, to a, uh, an auction spot in near Madison, Wisconsin, and those cars go into a lane and there's a 60 second live auction. You know, the car had to get there, used car, uh, someone from the used car dealership has to show up and spend the day and look at all the cars and then, you know, make a, a decision in 60 seconds whether or not they want to buy it. And so that's the state of the art. Um, and what ACV determines is that there's a probably better way to do this. And so what they created is a mobile application that you have to be a dealer to be on to more of a B2B play. Uh, and, uh, you, you as a new deal, new car dealer can sign up. Um, you can, with your phone, create a condition report in a few minutes, you know, through a very simple process. Um, you press a button and your auction starts immediately, uh, a 20 minute auction. As soon as you press that button to launch the auction, you've got, uh, an alert, alert to go out to use car dealers who put in filters and they might say, Hey, I want to turn a Camry 2005 or later, less than 60,000 miles. You know, send me an alert if an auction starts with that car. Uh, that now used car dealer, instead of, instead of having to go to a physical auction, could be walking down the street, could be walking in the streets of Manhattan like me. <laughs> yeah, it'll pop up and they, and they can bid, uh, on that auction. It's a 20 minute auction. And, uh, and when it's done, they can get their car. And so, um, so basically you're taking this like very physical process that, you know, that, that moves a hundred billion a year and you're creating sort of a mobile marketplace. Um, so they, they started this about, eight, Two years ago, uh, we we came in over a year ago, still relatively early, and the company has been been uh, been cranking, uh, growing very quickly. You know, we we love the Series A, as I mentioned, and then um, a few months ago, Bessemer Venture Partners, a great firm, um, led a Series B round of financing, and the company is uh, is is doing great. They're they're hiring like crazy up in Buffalo. So, if anyone's listening, looking, if anyone listening is uh, in Buffalo, in the Buffalo area, and is looking to join a tech startup. Uh, call ACB auctions. They've got lots of open positions <laughs> right now. Yeah, it looks like I think I saw they were trying to hire like a hundred people, or is it going up to hundred. Yeah, it's a lot. That's a lot. A lot, a lot of hiring. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of hiring. They're growing. They're growing. They're so, growing quickly. So, how in the world did you run into them? All right, how do you get? Uh, this, is, this is great. This is this is this is great. So, um, uh, so the guy in here in New York, uh, Jordy Levy, who uh, um, part of, was part of the SoftBank investing team, and was a Buffalo guy. Uh, one of, uh, an investor and was an entrepreneur up in Buffalo. Um, 
he started an incubator up there, an accelerator, um, and ACB won the uh, won the first year of that accelerator. It was like the most interesting company in Buffalo. They won like a million dollar prize and got a little bit of attention. And around that around that time, um, that was when um, uh, Jordy you know, said, "Hey, Jordy and his his partner at the time said, hey, you should take a look at this company and." And, uh, and I met them and, you know, really just fell in love with the business, really liked the team. Um, and, uh, saw a huge opportunity to you know, disrupt the, the business that amazingly has seen very little change in, you know, like 80 years. Yeah, that's crazy. All right. Well, that, that's another yep. whole podcast because I got a lot of questions about that company, but that, we're almost sure. out of time here, unfortunately. So, uh, um, no problem. let's see. I got a couple more questions. I'm trying to figure out which two I should ask. Uh, well, one, well, one. Okay, so one question. Actually, I've never asked this, but I know sometimes other people do. But is a you know is there a question that you always like to ask other investors, or a question, or a question that I should have asked you that I didn't? Can you think of anything? Like that? <laughs> that's a, that's a question I ask a lot of companies. Yeah, uh, oh, really? right. so, <laughs> you know, what, yeah. What what you know what keeps you up at night? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What should have I what? If you were my what question, I'd ask you that, isn't it? Yes. Your business, what I missed. Um, I don't know. I've never really had that about my business. I mean, I think the thing that most um, people miss about our business yeah. that VCs understand inherently is just there's so many, yeah, there's so much blogging that goes on about our business, about building companies, about the venture industry. It's really changed, obviously, a lot since I first uh, entered this business. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's great. There's a much more openness around how things work. Um, but I would say the most interesting parts of our business in terms of the dynamics that happen uh, between investors and other and board members and companies and management, and, like uh, 95% of the really interesting stuff that happens day to day that uh, is the, like the intricacies of this business uh, and building these companies, it doesn't get talked about publicly uh, in blogs or on things like this. It's just because it's, a lot of it tends to be sensitive subjects. And, um, and so what's really interesting is that, you know, there's a huge amount of material that gets published about our business and about startups. And it, it really accounts for maybe 10 or 15% of what matters. And the, and the yeah, 85 to 90% of what actually matters is never talked about. Uh, yeah, how decisions are, how key decisions are made. Um, you know, certain dynamics, you know, it could be power dynamics on the board. It could be, the way a team is operating and the way decisions are made. Some of it gets talked about, but there's, there's like this, uh, I, I just don't want to get into too much detail yeah, a lot of time, yeah, but there's, there's just, there's just a lot, there's yep. just a lot that's not talked about. And so I think that's the thing that I never get asked is like all the, all the things that make both venture funds work and also companies work that, you know, that's, that's unsaid. And any venture capitalist that's listening to this, is nodding their head right now. I mean, like, yep, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Probably everyone else is like, I don't know what he's talking about. Uh, but it's a conversation I've had with several other VCs, and they, they all get it. Yeah, but it's just there's things that we just can't talk about publicly. Well, they're and, sensitive, and those topics, right? They're sensitive, and then it's also this. Um, they're so custom to each situation. You know, like it's hard to. Uh, Fine learning. I mean, maybe you can you can probably definitely get some. There's a lot but... of there's a lot of learnings. It's just it's just the, the situations tend to be yeah sensitive. Yeah, and it's, so... it's a little bit like imagine what you could learn as a human being if you had access to all the tapes of you know someone's therapy sessions for like ten years <laughs> or twenty years. Like it's that kind of yeah. it's that kind of thing. Um, and I just don't think that's 
yeah, that's ever going to get out there. No, no. And it probably shouldn't. Um, all right. So one last question. I'm curious what you'd like to do. This is a personal question. What you'd like to do in your free time sure. when you're not, uh, be seen uh, the yeah. in New York. <laughs> it's, not, it's not, it's not that exciting. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm married with it and I've got a seven year old and a four year old. And so, uh, my seven and four year old are uh, high energy and, uh, take up basically all my time when I'm not at work. I'm, I'm with them. Awesome. It's, it's not, it's not, it's not focused on New York sports. It's with them, uh, oh. for sure. And, uh, um, and so that's, that's really the, the vast majority of my time. Well, that's it's focused on, especially at, at that age, you know, that's where oh, yeah. you want to be trying to spend it. They grow fast. Well, that's exciting. I mean, that, you know, it's not uh, jet setting, but, uh, that's my type of, <laughs> that's, that's, that's my, type yeah, of yeah. Exciting, not, so. <laughs> yeah. It's very, not very New York, right? It's not a good New York, New York city answer. I feel like that's more of a, uh, uh, yeah, Tom apple pie Midwest, Midwest, Midwestern. That's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, um, all right. Well, Brian, definitely, I guess that, that does it. So Brian, really appreciate your time, your thoughts. And that was awesome just to hear about what you've done. And I love that you're in New York city cause Manhattan's a pretty sweet place. So I'm jealous that you're there right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yes. Yeah, so I'll have to, I'll have to track what type of investments you guys do in the future. And, uh, sounds it'd, good. It'd be awesome to see how, you guys, how, how yep. you do in the future. I enjoyed this. Definitely. I appreciate and, the time. Definitely. And thanks everyone for listening to another episode of Flyover Labs. As always, I definitely appreciate it. And we'll see you next time. Uh, thanks, Brian. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. All right, bye.